This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3310 for Friday the 9th of April 2021. Today's show is entitled, Layer Masks and is part of the series GIMP. It is hosted by Ahuka and is about 16 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, we begin our look at a key tool in GIMP, Layer Masks. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, this is Ahuka, welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode. And we're going to continue our look at GIMP. And the topic for today is layer masks. Um, (coughs) This is our continuing discussion of layers. This won't be the last on that topic either. Uh, And that's because layers are really the most important part of using GIMP. And so we really need to get to grips with the subject. One tool that is particularly useful is the layer mask, which is what we're going to address today. Now, layer masks are a way to non-destructively modify the opacity of selected areas of a layer. Now, this definition has three key pieces. First one, non-destructively. When you add a layer mask to a layer, all of your changes take place on the mask, not on the original layer. Your original layer is still 100% there and will be unchanged if you remove the mask later. Oh, modify the opacity. Okay, last time we looked at alpha channels and opacity settings. This is yet another way to modify the opacity to let other layers show through the layer with the mask. Selected areas. Now this is key. With layer masks, you can select areas of the layer in a variety of ways to have transparency and other areas to have opacity and gradations between those two extremes. You can do this using any of the selection tools we've discussed previously, or many of the paint tools. So, what a layer mask does is to place a layer on top of another layer, but linked to it. And on this layer, you start with a completely opaque layer, then you remove the opacity on selected areas to let the underlying layer come through. But unlike other layers you see as individual lines in the layer dialog, layer masks are a sort of add-on to a layer and appear next to it on the same line. Now, I need an image, and as you've noticed, uh, I I try to use different sources for my images uh, each time I do this, and part of the reason is that Uh, I just want to make sure people are aware of how many places you can get images uh, without violating copyright. There's a lot of good stuff out there. So I went to a site called snappygoat.com and searched for a flower close-up image. Now, Snappy Goat advertises that it has around 13 million 
images that are either public domain or CC0. So I'm covered on that score. And each time I download an image for this series, as I say, and I'm, I'm trying to use different sources. So the image I selected is this one. Um, and, and there's a link in the show notes, and you can see it on my website. It's an image of a violet-covered flower. Um, so the source here is Wikimedia Commons. Um, and they have 64 million media files. They're not all public domain necessarily. There's a combination of CC by SA and CC0 stuff, but you can see the applicable license on the page for an object. Now, when I open this in GIMP, a layer is automatically created to hold it. And we've talked about that before. Opening images in GIMP creates a layer. <clears throat> now, to create a layer mask, I go to the bottom, to the buttons, and pick the next to last one on the right, which is add a mask. Now, remember in GIMP, you can uh, move the cursor over a button and the tooltip will tell you what it is. So, I add a mask, that's going to bring up a, a pop-up layer and, you know, the pop-up window, initialize layer mask 2, and um, I'll say white. White is full opacity. Now, <clears throat> what you want to always be aware of in working with layer masks is that white means full opacity and black means full transparency. That's the key to working on this. Now, I'll leave it at the default of white for full opacity and click add. And when I do that, I will see now a white rectangle thumbnail right next to the image thumbnail all on one line in the layer dialog, in the layer window. Uh, note that there's uh, a layer mask. It's a distinct object from the image and yet linked to it. You cannot move it up and down in the stack like other layers, right? I mean, you can move the layer and the layer mask together up and down in the stack, but you cannot separately move the layer mask. Um, <clears throat> but because they're distinct, you can do things to the layer mask without affecting the original layer, which is why we call it non-destructive. Now, to make changes... First, right-click on the layer mask to select it. Um, and you'll know it's selected because it'll be all white. There won't be any kind of black border. Um, the layer that is active, that is selected, always has a white border, and, the, and any other layers will have black borders. Now, since this is a white rectangle to begin with, the white border is, is essentially no border as far as looking at it. Um, now, you select it, and in the pop-up, uh, make sure it says Show Layer Mask and Edit Layer Mask, um, and that they have check marks in them. And your image should now be replaced by a, a, a white rectangle that completely obscures the image. Okay, So your layer mask is, in some sense, on top of the image that you have linked it to. Now, remember that white means opacity and black means transparency. So if you wanted to see some of the original image through the mask, you need to start applying black in some way. The easiest way is probably the paintbrush. Make sure your colors are set to white as the background and black as the foreground. Then select the paintbrush. 
and paint something on the layer mask using your, your black uh, color. <coughs> so you can paint something on there. Now if you want to see the effect, right click on the layer in the layer dialog and select apply layer mask. And what you will see is that whatever you've painted is now taken out of the image and replaced with transparency, which Remember, in GIMP, that means the gray checkerboard pattern. Now, the other thing you'll notice um, is that if you've used a brush that has fuzzy edges, your transparency will have fuzzy edges. Uh, so there won't be a sharp border between transparency and the image. There'll be a little shading in between them. Now, there's another way to achieve partial transparency and opacity, and that is by painting with a shade of gray instead of pure black. As the gray gets darker, there is more transparency. As the gray gets lighter, there is more opacity. Now to illustrate this, we'll go back to our flower image and apply a layer mask. Next, looking at the usual black and white colors, we see that black has the HTML color value of 0000000. 000 000. Uh, these are all hexadecimal. White has the value of FF, FF, FF. Um, so it's uh, basically an additive um, color thing. If you add all of the colors together, the red, the green, and the blue at maximum, you get pure white. Uh, black is the absence of any of them. Now, each pair of digits represents one of the color channels, red, green, and blue. When all three number pairs are equal, we get grayscale colors. So we can look at our foreground color, which is usually black when working on a layer mask, and adjust that color by typing in new numbers. Uh, now, I did this, and I did a fairly simple kind of uh, modification um, using 222222, which is near transparency. Um, and did a stripe across the, just a, painted a stripe across the top of the image. Uh, then um, four 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 four. Then six 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 six. And eight 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 eight. A a a a a a. C c c c c c. And e e. E, 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 which is minimum transparency. So what I did then is I took the image and, to, and I, you know, looking at the image mask, I drew stripes across the mask with each of those colors so that I had um, minimum transparency in the middle shading to maximum transparency at the top and the bottom. Um, and I just did this, you know, there, there's nothing terribly artistic. It was just an illustration of how this thing works. Uh, so I, I drew these stripes freehand. You know, they're a little rough, but you can see that the center of the image, the flower, is pretty visible. But if you go to the top or bottom, it tends to fade away in increasing transparency. Now, you can use this to get an interesting effect when you stack layers since transparency lets an underlying layer show through. To do this, open one image and add a layer mask. So I did that with our flower image. 
Then I used the image of the ladies that we looked at previously and selected open as layers. Uh, this does two good things. First, it opens it as a layer in the same GIMP project I'm in with the flower image. If I had just used open, it would be a separate project. Second, opening as a layer crops the lady's image to match the existing flower image, which makes it easier. Um, and just one less manipulation I need to do. Uh, I move the ladies layer to be under the flower layer, then use my partial transparency on the layer mask of the flower image. I first made sure I was active on the flower image and clicked the layer mask section of the layer, the white rectangle on that line, to make sure I was on the layer mask. On the layer line, the rectangle with the white border is the active one, the rectangle with the black border is inactive. That's how you can always figure out what's going on there. Now, since the layer mask is already a white rectangle, you're not going to see a white border. But if you see a black border around it, just click on it to make it active. I then went to the Select menu and chose Select All to work on the entire image, and I changed my foreground color to 888888, and then used Bucket Fill to apply this to the entire image. With this partial transparency, I get an image of the ladies with the flower partly coming through the image. Now, again, this, this was not a terribly lovely image uh, that I created here, but it, it's really just a way of illustrating how this process works. Now, uh, a note about non-destructive editing. Now, if you were to check the requested or suggested improvements to GIMP, one of the most requested is non-destructive editing. In fact, it is an enhancement that has been asked for so much that it made it to the FAQ page. So it is a frequently asked for enhancement. When will GIMP support any kind of non-destructive editing, like adjustment layers, layer filters, and or full-blown node-based editing? The answer on the FAQ page. Currently, the plan is to introduce non-destructive editing in GIMP 3.2. This is a huge change that will require rethinking the workflow and parts of the user interface. And I give a link in the show notes if you want to take a look at that. Now, given that the current version of GIMP is 2.10, there is a 2.99, which is sort of a pre-release beta of uh, version 3. Um, so I'm guessing 3.2 is probably at least a few years off. Now, there is a best practice that you can use to protect yourself, and that is by duplicating a layer and doing your editing on the duplicate, not the original. That way, if your editing creates a hot mess, you can just delete that duplicate layer and still have your original. And you can do this many times along the way. It's kind of a manual form of version tracking that you can do if you're careful to do it. And you can do it with layer groups as well. Remember that in your GIMP file, you can choose whether any given layer or layer group is visible. And when you go to export the final image, you can just turn off visibility for the layers you don't want in the image. Now, you could, of course, delete them. I think it's better to keep everything. Your .xcf file is a working file that you can return to whenever you need to make changes to an image. So create lots of layers. Keep all of them in your .xcf file. 
If you get in the habit of doing this, someday you'll be very thankful. Now, a little side note. Some years ago, I was a college professor. And one of the things I would tell my students, because I was not just a college professor, I was sort of the computer training person at the college. Uh, So I would try and train everyone, save your work frequently when working on computers. And I would show them how you can go into your word processing program and set it to automatically back up your file every so many minutes, things like that. Uh, Some of them listened, but, you know, one day I was in the computer lab, which was kind of where I spent a lot of time when I was a professor. A young man was suddenly very upset. It turns out he had just finished his paper, which was due the next morning, and it hit the print button when the computer crashed. And he had not saved anything. It was really too bad. But I hope he learned a life lesson that day. And so, you know, when I say keep duplicates, save your duplicates, back up, um, you know, there's a reason for it. Uh, Those are hard-learned lessons in life. Um, So this is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio signing off and, as always, encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.